Health literacy describes a person's ability to understand and process health information, and it's deeply affected by the complexity of the message, the physical and emotional state of the listener, and much more. It's Tuesday, October 22nd, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Patrick Holmes. And I'm Lisa Carter. Lisa, before we get to our main interview, what should we highlight from last week? Well, we want to call attention to an important item from late last week. For those who work in patient care, there is currently a widespread shortage of blood platelets, and this is affecting OHSU as well as other area hospitals. So there's a lot more information on OHSU now about actions you should take if you work in patient care areas. Yeah, it was really cool to see that as soon as this information was posted, there were several inquiries about how to donate platelets. Yeah, exactly. It's a great testament to the commitment to patient care shown by our employees. And if you're interested in donating, contact the American Red Cross for a location nearest you. Well, if you missed this year's talent show, which happened last month at the farmer's market, you can check out the recap video that was posted last week on OHSU Now. And speaking of recaps, we had the All OHSU Town Hall last week introducing OHSU 2025. And if you missed it, there's a recording of the live stream available on OHSU Now. You can also download the presentation and other materials, so check that out. And finally, Spark Wellness announced a new program called Behavior Change for Weight Loss. And like the other health enhancement programs through Spark, it is free to anyone who completes the Spark Health Evaluation. You can go to OHSU now to read more about this new program. Let's go now to our main interview. OHSU's creative director, Megan Pugmire, and family medicine physician, Cliff Coleman, are both deeply involved in work that's focused on improving health communications. The two of them sat down to talk about what staff members at OHSU can do to present complicated information in a way that makes sense for all. I'm Megan Pugmire. I'm the creative director on the brand strategy team in marketing and communications. I'm Cliff Coleman. I'm a family doctor here at OHSU. I work at the Richmond Clinic. Today, we wanted to talk about health literacy. And Cliff, we're excited to have you here talking to us because you have been working in the health literacy field for a long time now. Can you tell me about when you started working in health literacy, why you were interested in it, and how that all began? Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been working in the field of health literacy since 2003 when I was a, a family medicine resident here at OHSU and I was doing a master's of public health, thinking about ways to help interactions between uh, healthcare providers and their patients uh, be, be more efficient uh, and have better outcomes. And at the time, people were talking a lot about how um, healthcare providers could and should be doing things better, more efficiently. It really occurred to me and some other people at the time that there was a piece of missing in, in that sort of workflow that, that a healthcare professional can only do so much with so much with the time given. And in the summer of 2003, thinking about that and thinking about the role of patients and the interactions that we have with them and being a resident and watching and interact and participating in a lot of those interactions, it became pretty clear that we were missing an opportunity to improve the way information flows back and forth between doctors and their patients. And by, because of those missed opportunities, we were seeing all kinds of outcomes that nobody wanted. Hospital readmissions, non-adherence to medications, you name it. Any outcome that you were interested in, we could start to become clear that we could link that back to poor communication. 
And in, this, in 2004, the Institute of Medicine released a, a big seminal report called Health Literacy, A Prescription to End Confusion. And suddenly the lights turned on. And uh, it just so happened that I was in an academic kind of world at the time doing my master's of public health. And I can distinctly remember doing my first Google search on the terms health literacy and finding there were only 119 articles in the entire English language on that topic. So I read them all that summer. And suddenly, I was the only person in Oregon who knew anything about health literacy. And it kind of took off from there. And what was it about health literacy that you felt was so important? I mean, you talked about outcomes. Um, what do those outcomes mean tangibly to people? When I talk about outcomes, I, I'm really talking about across the board outcomes. So you know, if you think about a big place like OHSU, we're all looking at a different set of outcomes. And we're all always striving to improve something. For me, as a family physician, I'm looking for uh, better health outcomes. I think if you're uh, anybody at OHSU, you can think about the things that you're trying to improve. And you could think of that then through a health literacy lens. And you can start to see how a patient's difficulty understanding health information can easily transmit, translate into outcomes that, or, 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 or not outcomes, uh, depending on your perspective. Why do you think that so much health information is delivered in a way that is difficult for patients to understand? It's a really complicated issue. And it's hard to recognize when a patient is having a hard time understanding. And there's a few reasons for that. One, I think, is that just socially, there's a, quite a big difference between the average healthcare professional and the average patient. Specifically, if you look at education, the average adult in the United States has stopped their formal schooling after high school. So the average adult has a 12th grade education. And the average adult reads around an eighth grade reading level in the US. Now, if you look at the average healthcare professional and how much, school, much more schooling that average person working on campus has, you think about how, how that affects the differences in things like vocabulary size, things like fundamental things that are important to us, like things like, or, or what are the ideas behind acute and chronic, and how do those play out when a person doesn't have that base knowledge uh, around those concepts. And they all boil back down to differences in education. And it's hard to picture what it's like it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of a patient who's trying to experience a healthcare on our campus when you're that far removed from it. We do this work day in and day out. We develop a very specialized language around how to communicate with each other so that we can be precise. And we do that so well that we lose sight of the fact that other, not everyone else communicates in that way, understands what it is that we're saying, and you just lose perspective. The other piece to it is that patients go to great lengths to not let us know when they don't understand something. And it's a complicated psychology behind that. So when a person doesn't understand some of the, something that they're hearing from their healthcare professional, more often than not, their, their response is going to be to try to mask that. Smile, nod, say thank you, uh, say no, I don't have any questions, leave the encounter, um, creating this illusion that good communication has occurred when the, 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 the science is very clear that patients leave our clinics 
our emergency departments and our hospital wards remembering less than half of what it is that we talked about. One of the things I find interesting is the shift from talking about health literacy is just the responsibility or the capabilities of the patient and also acknowledging the complexity of the system that we're asking people to enter into. And I'm thinking about some friends of mine, and they're a couple. The husband is a professor at Linfield. The wife is also a professor, and she teaches writing. He's a running friend of mine, and he tore his Achilles tendon. They're both highly educated, they both have PhDs, and yet they had such a hard time navigating the healthcare system that he really didn't know when he was supposed to get better, which exercises he was supposed to do, when he should be worried and go to the emergency room if there is a complication. And they showed me their materials they were given, and I remember the wife clearly saying to me, I have such a hard time understanding what these even mean. And we weren't sure how to fill out the forms and what our insurance was going to cover. So can you talk a little bit about the complexity that's inherent in the system and the acknowledgement that we have to make in terms of that part of the responsibility? Yeah, um, right. And, and I can really relate to that. Yeah. Anytime that I've been a patient or a family member has been a patient, I've, it's become uh, even more apparent to me that health communication is hard to understand. Layer on top of that, when you are the patient, you're either feeling sick, you're in some sort of pain, or you're worried about what the person's going to tell you. Right? So there's this emotional content or this other cognitive distraction layer of pain or illness or fear that makes it really hard to process new information. Layer on top of that, the fact that our system is so complicated that even us working inside it frequently don't know how to help a person navigate it um, effectively or efficiently. We don't understand, you know, as a, as a healthcare professional, I have a hard time understanding insurance. I have a hard time understanding a lot of the other aspects of this large machine of ours that uh, for me to give good advice to a person becomes difficult. For the, about the first 10 years or so of, of the health literacy movement, as I'll call it, um, all of the emphasis was on patients and their ability to be consumers of information. And almost all of the work was going into helping patients be quote unquote smarter patients. Myself and a few others across the country really recognized that, that while that's incredibly important, it wasn't gonna be the most efficient way to close what we'll call the health literacy gap, this difference between the complexity of the system and the innate skills of the patients who are using the system. And so what we really thought and, and have been working towards is trying to work on ourselves, the healthcare system itself. So we should really turn the emphasis back on ourselves and say, where can we lower the barriers to understanding? How can we make ourselves better communicators continuously aware of the fact that this stuff is hard to understand and constantly vigilant about making it as easily understood as possible. Can you talk a little bit about the idea of a universal precaution as it applies to health literacy? Mm -hmm. This is a really important topic. So the idea of universal precautions in health communication is that the research shows that it's virtually impossible for the, the most astute healthcare professional to recognize when a patient's not understanding well. It is very difficult to know what a person is understanding through a typical interaction. In fact, it's impossible. Studies show that we're terrible at it. In addition, 
where it's easy to imagine that that health literacy is just a function of education and that people with low education are going to have low health literacy. It actually doesn't turn out that way. Uh, education and health literacy don't, necess- don't cleanly correlate with each other. So we have people with low education who have very high health literacy, and we have people with very high education with low health literacy. And as a matter of fact, any person's health literacy skills go up and down day to day and moment to moment depending on what they're being distracted by, what they're concerned about, how they're feeling, and what else is going on in their worlds. The old way of approaching patients and the way I was taught was to try to match the way you communicate with what you think the person's ability to understand you is. And typically that goes along lines of socioeconomic status. And it's just turned out to be a failure. So the universal precautions approach says, don't try to guess which of your patients is gonna be able to understand health information easier because you're not gonna be right. It says, start with the simplest, easiest to understand message with every patient every single time, and then you'll never be wrong. And if you do happen to have patients who want additional information, more detailed information, or more complex information, they're gonna get that from you later. You said that one of the things that's really important for the way that we further the cause of health literacy is through medical education. Can you talk about how you teach your medical students about health literacy? At OHSU, our medical students receive the most robust, intensive training on health literacy and clear communication of any U.S. medical school that I know of, Um, and I'm really proud of that. Um, We've been working at this now for 14 years. Most U.S. medical schools uh, are teaching about health literacy in in a really cursory way with maybe a lecture here or there. At OHSU, we've tried to make it the center of our health communications curriculum for our medical students. We've done a number of studies that showed that teaching medical students and medical residents about health literacy and about a clear communication approach to it, to lowering barriers, makes a lot of sense to those learners. They, they really um, get it very easily, and it resonates well with them. Do you have a story of um, an example of what it's like for a student to try out using their health literacy skills and it either being successful or not? When I'm uh, attending on, the, on our family medicine inpatient service in the hospital, which I do about a, a week every two months or so, I like to uh, have a contest with our, with our team. So our team would be made up of myself as the attending, uh, usually two residents, and then uh, one or more learners, student learners. And we typical, a typical day would be morning rounds where we as a group will go from room to room visiting with our patients, um, getting updated on the, the night's events, coming up with a plan for the day, and then trying to communicate that with our patient. What I usually do is on the first day is I just stand back and I listen to the way our residents and students interact with their patient. And I'm specifically listening for the use of language that's, that's essentially medical jargon, language that that patient would never use at home. On the second day, and for the rest of the week, I challenge the team to listen to each other and the language that they use with their patients. And if 
if, if anyone on the team hears somebody else on the team using language or concepts which, are, which might be foreign to the patient, that person can get a, a point in this contest by calling that out and gently correcting it without making the other person feel bad. And then at the end of the week, we tally it up and I buy a gift certificate. Well, what happens is that our learners are so amazing that the minute you tell them you're listening for it, you can go all week without ever hearing a, another jargon term used with a patient. They're excellent. They just don't do it naturally. And they're, but they're able to as soon as they know I'm listening. So this brings us back to this idea of developing the habits, making that be the way you do things every time, not just when someone's looking or listening, but that's just the way it's done. That makes so much sense from a universal precaution perspective, too, because then you're not changing what you do based on what you think the person is going to understand. And if you just do it all the time, that's the way it is. That's great. One of the things I think is hopeful to me about all of this is that whenever I talk to anyone about health literacy, they're excited about it. People come out of the woodwork and say, I'm interested in this. I see this. It's intuitive to them because they're also patients or they have family members that are currently navigating the system. Everyone gets it and they want to be part of making change. That's my experience so far and I hope that continues. Cliff, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise on this subject. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. OHSU Week is a production of Strategic Communications. This episode was produced by Megan Pugmire and edited by Josh Anderson. I'm Patrick Holmes. And I'm Lisa Carter. See you next week.